0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: What is up, everybody? We are back with another episode of Bears, Blurs, and Bots. This week, we got a special guest on, Sister Jean. Have a great interview with her coming up here later in the show. William, what's up?
2: Not a lot is up right now. Um in terms of the three subjects of this podcast. Well, there's a couple things on the horizon. Um but uh yeah, obviously we're really excited to have Sister Jean on. We're talking now before the interview. Um special uh shout out to you, Crut, for staying up for this one. Um if you've read Sister Jean's book, she gets up at five AM every day, but she doesn't get into the office until ten AM. Um and I mean, she could if she wanted that. That's kind of more reliant on the people that she needs to be there and and get her there and stuff. So she can't get in her office till 10 a.m. really. So, Crut, you're performing this interview after midnight. Um, Yes. But uh, something you're you're quick to say yes to, but uh, we're extremely lucky to have Sister Jean on. Excited to talk to her. Mm -hmm. Um, I just finished her book. Um, it's awesome. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll get into it with her. So, yeah, really, really excited to have her on.
1: Yep. So as far as three segments today, we're going to kind of mesh them all into one uh, here probably after this intro. Got a little bit of bears, you know, kind of with the trades and everything going on. It's kind of dead right now before the draft. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we'll know more when in a couple days leading up to the draft and obviously after the draft. And, um, and blurs off season, a lot of transfers. We'll, we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about that and, uh, maybe some foreshadowing picture picturing we got. Um, yeah, we'll just say that. And then, uh, I'm not sure if picturing is the right word. I don't know why I said that, but it was a curveball for everybody. Yeah, we'll get into it. And, uh, bots, we got, little bit there as well. I got some, some new stuff I'm working with here. So, uh, some more foreshadowing there. Uh, Okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we're going to make it all into one and then, uh, we'll, we'll have our interview with sister Jean and, uh, looking forward to it. Let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. Remains your number one source for all your NBA basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds from live games right through the conference finals and championship game.
2: Bet Online is your NBA headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Okay, correct. You said something about the Bears. Um, I don't have much to say. I, th- I think we'll, we'll really recap the draft when that happens here in uh, just a couple weeks from now. Um, do, do you have any, any updates or takes on, on the Bears currently?
1: There's some talks, maybe trading the ninth pick, trading trading back. Uh, I saw something uh, with trading with the Steelers for their first round pick and the pick that we traded them, uh, Chase Claypool, the first pick in the th- in the second round. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not too big on that. I think I think the Bears should stay at nine and. Uh, you know, if Jalen Carter falls to nine, take him there. But I don't think he's going to. And if he's not available, then best available offensive lineman, uh, either the guy from Purdue, who's a Chicago guy, or uh, the Ohio State Paris Johnson Jr. Um, either one of those guys at tackle, I'd be uh, I'd be a okay with. So mm-hmm. hopefully. I don't, you know, we had the first pick. Okay, we traded back to nine. Okay, I don't see the value in trading back again. You know, we were the worst team in the NFL this year. You know, we should we should have a decent, decently good pick this year. Uh, take
2: a high talent.
1: Right, right. So, uh, you know, I think I think we need a tackle man, left tackle. Um, I think that's that's got to be a number one. Um, for us so hopefully that's what we do and uh, we will see when the draft comes but that's all I got for bears today all
2: right yeah that's good perspective on it okay so moving to blurs since we last talked two two pretty good pickups in the in the portal um, so I mean the, the the two at this point, one from Dartmouth, Dame Adela Kuhn. uh Give me if I I pronounce that wrong. I'm sure we'll
1: we'll be more totally about worried about that pronunciation.
2: Well, dude, I, all the all the new guys, you gotta you gotta try to get it right, man. Um, waiting on on Braden here from that, and then also Desmond Watson from from Davidson, um, basically coming. Little Ohio and Rogers Park, three three Columbus guys. But uh, definitely both those guys got some good size, kind of like a 3-4 type of deal, maybe even a 2 for Desmond, big 2. Um, but, yeah, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think a huge part of this uh, transfer portal season for the Ramblers has to be predicated on defense and bringing guys in that are uh, – really keying on that so that's a good start i mean i know those guys had them on uh, on visits like as soon as they could and um they committed pretty quickly so that's a good start hopefully there's a couple more to join but uh definitely some, some positive news coming out of rogers park you got anything
1: yeah i just uh i mean i guess it's a blur segment but it's also just college basketball segment. Um, just with i know we've talked about the portal a lot but um, a lot of news coming out of the valley a lot of former guys going to uh transfer to big 10 schools um obviously Pax, our former teammate we talked about that going to north carolina so a lot of movement a lot of money being thrown around um it's a crazy world now man it's a crazy world we live in but uh Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as far as that, um, I don't. I don't really know where the Ramblers stand uh, on the NIL spectrum, as far as you know the the resources and, and mm-hmm. things of that nature. So I, I would be. I would be interested to find that out and kind of see where where that stacks up.
2: Yeah. you yeah, No. It's it's definitely frustrating. I mean. Um... I don't know how transparent people are eventually going to become about that. Um, but you know it's it's frustrating because there's so many, um, you know, alums that already give a ton of money to the athletic department and the school itself. Um, so now you know you gotta everyone's asking for a little more for uh, their players, and they probably have to reallocate some things. So that's just an added, an added uh job to being a uh to being a college basketball coach these days so um definitely definitely hope i mean i I know drew is very keyed on that as far as having that as an asset and recruiting um but i i also know like he doesn't want people coming here because of the money now obviously you want that you need that to get in the door some places but uh yeah it's a huge part of it Clearly. Um, yeah.
1: I think I think you're putting these coaches kinda in a tough I mean their job is already really tough, yeah. but you're putting these coaches in a pretty tough spot. I mean, look, I feel like before this stuff, you know, the coaches were always around donors, always, you know, Moser was always around, you know, going to luncheons, going this, doing mm-hmm. that, you know. Every it's it's a part of the job, right? Yeah. But now you know and that wasn't necessarily like i mean i'm i'm sure it was you know like hey please donate to our program but mm-hmm. like that was more you know wanting to get that practice facility built yeah. uh, wanting to get more resources a, a better locker room like you know stuff that was more of an investment you know and i guess mm-hmm. you could say that this NIL is an investment as well but now you know these coaches and I don't know, obviously don't know the conversations that are being had, but to some extent it's, you're going to the people that, you know, have been donors and not just in Loyola's case, but have been donors for years or whatever that are known to be donors. And, you know, you're pretty much saying, Hey, like I, we need you to donate some money just so so we could be competitive this year, you know, in the league. I mean, especially in some of these bigger leagues, you know Mm -hmm. I mean? ACC, Big 10, Big 12, you know, I mean, you look at a team like Miami who, you know, spent a lot of money in that, in the NIL and stuff and where well, they went final four.
2: Yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty frustrating because I mean, I don't think.
1: Maybe they're not even think... correlated, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like one, I don't think Nigel Pack is worth $800,000. I think very few people in college basketball are um, and it's it's just a little nuts that that is gonna be used as an example um, to to you know pay guys just to come to the school which I think that's that's something that's got to become more clear is is why and how you're paying them and then also just like having stuff about the people that you know, choose to come there in the first place. And it's not so much about just a transfer portal frenzy. I mean obviously there's like some of these teams have GMs now. Um I think that's kind of a good idea, just make it like kind of professional and and clear and transparent about how and why you're you're paying people certain things. Because that's the other thing too. Like it's not even it's 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 not even like these players are, are making money off their own name they're they're getting paid just just to show up at the school too so
1: yeah so i guess we we could talk a little bit about nil right now and kind of i know we've talked about it in the past but i've i've got some sources people that i've been talking to the last couple of weeks just trying to figure out how this stuff works how it mm-hmm. goes um you know and like you said it's it is you hear, you see this the the stuff on socials and stuff like, oh, he's got a X amount nil deal. You know what does that even really mean? Yeah. You know, and and what and what I've you know come to learn over talking to to some people, some coaches, and and things like that. People I know, um, it's not just like you know, hey, here's a check for. This X amount of money, right? It's it's disguised. It's not. I, I shouldn't say disguised, but it's put into a way like it has to be for something.
2: Yeah, but it's 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 just not though, right? It's,
1: yeah, it's not the thing. value. Like, yeah, I go to Loyola. I'm a you know whatever. I'm a grad transfer. We're gonna give you a fifty thousand dollar nil deal. Okay, you're gonna make five. You're gonna make ten Instagram posts over the course of the year. And each Instagram post we're going to give you five grand. doesn't matter how many followers you have doesn't you know it's not the true value mm-hmm. of the post, it's just yeah. they're putting a quantity on it to add up to whatever you you are supposed to make yeah so and, and I' also heard a lot that a lot of these kids now, a lot of these college guys have agents, an yeah. agent yeah and that's mm-hmm. a, that's a crazy world that's yeah. a crazy world because now mm-hmm. you're throwing in people into the mix that you know are these I don't know are these guys certified are these guys looking out for the best interests of these these kids these you know freshman sophomore guys are mm-hmm. they you know latching on to this guy because he's going to you know go to a big school like Kansas or something and he's going to make 500 grand in a year yeah. And, you know, he, he's not really the agent. He's a friend or, you know, something like that, that yeah. type of, that type of business. So it, it uh, they got to get some rules in place. Like I'm all for like, you know, paying the players. Like I, yeah. I, when I was a, actually when I was a senior in high school, we had to write, um, a paper, like, uh, my English class, like your capstone paper and mine paper was on paying college athletes. That's what mm-hmm. it was. So I'm all for it. But yeah. at the same time, like I've been seeing a lot of stuff just like there's gonna be a lot of expectations on these guys now, man. Yes.
2: Yeah, that that's that's another thing too. Like what if Miami you know, Miami was down what? Nine with five minutes to go against Drake? Like how how are all those people that are dumping money into those kids gonna be if you know they're the money they're, they're dumping into them doesn't doesn't pay off um and I, w- I want to reiterate that I am all for people getting paid like players getting paid you know like some an image that comes to mind for me is like those Alabama football players all those years that just see you know hundreds right. of thousands of fans just dump money into the football football is a different know. animal yeah. altogether yeah. than and, basketball and, but yeah. there's there's basketball stories too like you right, know, right. all these guys um and I, I I think you should definitely make money off your own name, whether that's you know, if you're promoting something on social media, or you know you you have a series with like a vlog series with ads or something, um, or like you know just being like in a car commercial or something like yeah, all right. If, it, if it's a sound business plan, like do it. <laughs> um, but uh, and and you know what also could be the case eventually is the universities or you know athletic departments just straight up having like a salary.
1: Yes, that that's what I was going to yeah. that's what one coach yeah. told me. Like yeah. at at some point in during this now it's going to just be like you're an employee of the university. Yeah, yeah. Because but, that kind of just more stable, practical yeah.
2: and it financially sound. Through,
1: right? All the red tape of like here, sign five balls. Here's forty five k, and you know yeah. like a donor like can't just give you money. You know yeah. it, it's like it has to be this circumvented way. Yeah. Um, but I I quoted a tweet uh, the other day from Joe Hendrickson, who's a uh, Illinois, Illinois writer. Yeah, Illinois basketball, high school basketball, college basketball, everything. Um, you know known him for a couple years and uh great guy um and he kind of was you know voicing like you know this is it's going to start becoming like professionals and I I think he's 100% right like the expectations that we talked about but like you know let's say you make you're making this money and you're not playing well or you get hurt or something like that like what what is the process in that what is how is that gonna work out? Mm-hmm. you know because obviously in the pros and the higher levels you know they just get rid of you, yeah, you know, and that's that's not I don't think they'll do that in college because obviously there's the the education piece that's you, know, you can't just throw a guy out of school yeah so uh you know that, that's a whole nother element of this <laughs> whole thing
2: yeah, all right, so I guess that's good on voicing maybe about. They'll, maybe in the they'll world.
1: make the salary cap, dude. I was yeah, thinking about that. For real. Yeah, I, I honestly
2: cap. think that's a better situation than what we are currently in.
1: Or like um, per, per league, like each league sets the cap for their yeah, own. And then, obviously. And then maybe,
2: maybe having like, you know, bonuses that are correlated to the business of the actual program. Not, not so much just. Right. Here's what how much we're gonna give you because our donors are dumping this in. So
1: Or uh, I was I was thinking uh, of like a tier system, which is kinda of like yeah. a salary cap, but like yeah, each team is allowed to have three tier one guys who are allowed to make, you know, between this range. Each you know, I don't know. That would get weird. That would get but weird. It would get know, very specific.
2: I know Okay. um also be- before we get into Ibaraki, um, since we last talked, Patrick Wallace left for uh, Iona. Um, obviously, the the youngest assistant coaches uh, coach on our staff um, went to Iona because uh, Fairly Dickinson's guy. I think it's Tobin. Uh, gosh, yeah, that?
1: yeah.
2: He he joined joined him as the head assistant at Iona. So um, it's great for him. He's an East Coast guy. Um,
1: right? He's got some ties there for sure.
2: Yeah. 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 I, we've had him on here. I'm sure everyone, everyone has seen, you know, what a great basketball mind is, and and I, we wish him the best. He he contributed a ton to uh, to the program. So uh, best best of luck to Coach Coach Wallace. Um, I'm excited to see who uh, who Drew brings in for him. Um, but uh, I'm I'm confident in in people that Dr- Drew is in contact with. So uh, we'll uh, we'll stay up to date on that. Um, for the next time we talk so crut let's get into uh bots so since we last talked i think the bots are, are three and four um yeah do, do you want to talk a little bit about the basketball first how it's going
1: yeah are just in the last stretch of the games right now um just you know not not practicing live a lot just a lot of walkthroughs a lot of mental days and a lot of lot of games um so yeah it's kind of it's kind of been a grind you know we're playing five days a week you know when saturday sunday wednesday saturday sunday wednesday so um yeah it's been uh tough on the body but it's uh you know we only got I think it's nine more games left in the season, so a couple more road trips. So, uh, yeah, it's coming. It's coming to an end now, but it's really just kind of about finishing strong and trying to, you know, get as many wins as we can and and kind of put our best foot forward for uh, for next year. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, as far as uh, life out here, you know, obviously Jess. Has gone, her visa expires, so she's out and about. Um, yeah. So that leaves me here all alone. Um, so we talked a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I just can't bring myself to go and get another haircut. Okay. <laughs> I just, I can't do it. Okay. And I, I really need to because it's getting bad. It's yeah, getting real bad. Sit, take that off. It. Take
2: that off. Come on. Nah, it's not, it's nothing crazy.
1: Yeah, it's bad, dude. You just can't. There. Yeah, I the see. Back. That. The back is, is certainly. Dude, do you, do you have like a, some type of no. trimmer or anything? No, I'm not going to just... try. I, I, I keep telling myself, like today I had off and I was like, all right, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to go. And I just, I just didn't. Okay.
2: Is is that what you're working with?
1: No, no. So. Okay. You know I'm a big video game guy. Okay, I'm playing. A lo- I'm playing a lot of video games here. Okay, all, all, all alone. Okay, you know, so you know I'm getting tired of them. Kind of, you know, I, I'll never get tired of them, but you know, they're getting redundant. So, I, uh, I just, I just was like, I gotta figure something. I gotta figure something out. I can do. So on, I'm gonna go grab it real quick. So decided the other day that i would uh take my hand
2: oh my god
1: a little guitar uh <laughs> i went out to a shop here close, close to uh close to the arena and bought a guitar here um and i'm trying to learn to play okay it is very hard <laughs> So I went into this shop. i just, I just give it a re- real quick, just. All right.
2: Okay. The, no, so, come on. Give us a little more. Give us a
1: little more. I don't know a lot, but okay. I know I can do a little melody. I can do a little uh, scale here, you know, boom. Mm-hmm. I know uh-huh. a couple chords. All right, we'll take it. But. Yeah, I mean this is like my third day, okay? This is really beginner stuff.
2: You're going to become uh Mark Marin.
1: So I'm trying that, you know, I'm doing that maybe an hour a day or so. Trying to really tune, you know, hone my hone my skills, but to get this guitar, I, you know, I went to the to a shop. Yeah, I know that. You know, like a lo- like a local place. Okay. And uh walk in there and i'm like the only guy right and uh you take your shoes off before you go in and and, uh you know i'm looking around looking around i'm not trying to get like the super expensive guitar or nothing i'm just i got you know just a mid-level guitar not expensive you know but not the cheapest and you know just a beginner's guitar and i tell the guy you know hey point at it this one he brings it over and he pulls out like a little tuner like a little tune thing that you clip on the guitar he's going to tune it up for me right there right there and that right then and there i should mm-hmm. say so you know he's boom 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 he's tuning it up tuning it up and he gets it all tuned up and he he hands it to me like all right man start playing i oh, <laughs> do i'm just like i well, there's no, he speaks no English. We have no form of communication. Besides and, uh, music. Besides music. Yeah. And uh, I just tell him, I was just like, no, 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 no. I'm new, very new. And he just, we we kind of didn't really understand each other for a little bit. And then I kind of showed him my card like, hey, yeah, I'm going to pay for this now. And and we got on with it. I got a case. I got a, I got a this thing is kind of cool, man. This little tuner I got.
2: Okay. And a scrap more.
1: you like yeah. put this on the guitar and it'll show you where where the notes are and show they, you the demos
2: for saxophones.
1: Yeah. So that's what's going on with me.
2: Okay. Um very cool. I, I expect you to uh improve on that over your uh, career. Yeah. Um so you can just transition straight from basketball to guitarist.
1: Yeah. That's, that's got to be your goal. Um right now my fingers are just Killing me. You don't realize. You don't I, no, realize I, the
2: toll. You do not I, realize I, the toll. I can I can I can understand. I can but okay, interesting. So hey before we uh we talk to Sister Jean here in a sec. You know what time it is. Oh yeah. What uh what's your Japanese word of the week?
1: Oh, alright. <laughs> I'm not even gonna ask you to recite the last couple because you just will get them wrong. Uh,
2: I mean, the, the, I can sorry. I can only really remember the last one. But I know the one, meanings of it.
1: This what? one is easy. Um, okay. This one is Ohio. 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 Which is like an informal way to say good morning, morning, good morning. Okay. Ohio.
2: I like that. Is, is it like totally the morning or? Yeah, okay. That makes No, sense. it's
1: the morning. Yeah. There's a word that comes after that sometimes that people say, but I'm not 100% sure on that one. All right. It's like Ohio yeah. gozamas, Ohio gozamas. But yeah. it sounds a lot like a lot of the other, you know, not yeah. to be that guy, but it sounds a lot like. Yeah. You
2: know, no, I know what you're saying. I'm like, I feel like I've heard that.
1: Before. Yeah, right, right, right. And maybe that that that's me. just maybe that's just me just hearing whatever the, the Amos part yeah. and just being like it kind of sounds the same. But yeah, whenever whenever that is said to me, I just respond with an Ohio, and that seems to get the job done
2: nice nice that those those words are important okay well correct thank you for that we will stay in touch over your uh last nine games in uh in japan good luck this weekend um and now we'll uh we'll talk with sister Jean. all right we now welcome on a very special guest um our only repeat guest to this point um that that may change but uh we're extremely lucky to have her on. Everyone knows her. I'm, I'm sure that listening to this podcast, Sister Jean, how are you? Good morning.
0: Good morning. Oh, I'm I'm just fine, and I'm looking forward to this uh, chat with you this morning with you, uh, Will and Cam. And so it's going to be fun.
1: Well, we're looking forward to it too.
2: <clears throat> yeah. So Kurt and I, as as soon as we saw your your book was coming out, like, oh man, like. One like it, it's a great opportunity to talk to you again, and then also just to see your book. So I'm, I mentioned in, uh, before you got on that uh, I just finished your book. I loved it. We'll get into it, um, and I, I'm super happy that that uh, that you got that out. I and mean, it really cleared some things up for me, um, just in general about you. So I, I guess to start, like it's been awesome to see you just go back through the media circuit once again, take it by storm. I saw you like just about every channel you can think of. Um so in doing that, like, you know, everyone asks you the first question, well, what caused you to make the book? And 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 how was that? So I'm not gonna ask you that. Um, but uh something I, I feel like I don't have a clearance on is uh Seth Davis. So wh- what was his pitch to you that really got you to say that this is the guy I want to write with? I know Porter was in contact with you guys. But, uh, what separated him, and then how was it working with him?
0: well i have to I have to go back to the final four, yeah. because when the final four was going on, about six fellas called me and said, "Oh, Sister Jean, you should really write a book." And I said, "No way, I don't have time." I said, "I have to see the students, and I have to be with a basketball team, and even though the season's over." Uh, you know, it doesn't stop me from seeing them or talking to them. And so I said, I can't write a book. And thing time passed, and I just said no. So then uh, Porter and Seth talked with each other, and Porter said to Seth, you know, God, you, sh- you should really uh, talk to Sister Jean and have her write a book. I'm going to give you her cell phone number, he said, so that you can call her. Well... Seth used the phone right away. And he called me and he chatted and he said, it's an easy thing to do, Sister Jean. And I said, it means I sit down and for hours and do stuff and write and think and all that. Oh, well, I don't think so. Then he said, well, you know, it's not like that. You talk to me and I write it down. You look at it and see if that's what I, you really said. And then he said, um... I would really like to do it. I'm um, so when I told them I'd have to check with my congregation and my employer if I could do this, and they said, "Go for it, Sister Jean." So it was I think it was his non-pushing um, manner that got me. Yeah. And, and he's very gentle when he talks. He did push me. there's no question about it, but I have to say gently. Okay. That's awesome, my yeah.
1: kind of book. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where one where I don't have to do any writing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well you, he's a good one if you want some your life and you have both have very exciting lives, you know, just t- contact Seth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>.
2: <laughs> you know, I imagine something you really enjoyed that. Did you guys talk a lot, just college hoops in general, like on the side? I mean with how much you were you were meeting with him?
0: Oh oh yes. The first time we met we met for five hours <laughs> and that, that's not including lunch we even talked at lunch yeah. and uh, tom Hitchon, and bill barons were with me just in case i would forget anything mm-hmm. in between and you know remind me what it was and then he came to campus about three other times not for five hours but maybe two or three mm-hmm. and we had a lot of conversations on on the phone and yes, did we talk about basketball on the side? We did because he's that analyst, you know, yeah, right. and he's very alive there. And I, you know, I said to him, maybe I didn't say to him, but I said to other people, I'm sure that when Clark Kellogg resigns, um, Seth will be the one to be in charge there because he, right. he, he leads the group all the time
2: yeah no i I definitely enjoy his perspective and even before this book i i would notice how especially generous and kind he was and talking about um loyola and and just really um the the smaller mid-majors in in general um i I always appreciate that that insight from him um so just to give everyone an overview um i mean if you're listening to this podcast surely you know her her sister jean's book came out i have failed to mention the title it's called wake up with purpose what i've learned in my first hundred years um obviously an awesome awesome title um so basically give people who haven't read the book i strongly encourage you to do so but it's essentially a chronological order of, of your life story and your perspective throughout um and like i said it's it's awesome for me to like clear up some some of your timeline and, and just your perspective on a litany of things I, I i really enjoyed it um you do touch on like your childhood in, in san francisco uh last time we ought we had you on you talked about walking across the golden gate bridge the day it opened and 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 your, your pet monkey jerry um so I, I strongly encourage people um if you haven't listened to the last podcast to check in on that but also just uh your breakdown of it in uh in the book. I I really enjoyed um just just those childhood memories from you. Um and and yeah, so then really got into a lot about, you know, your path um you know, as a sister, which I've heard before. I want to clarify that and you do um you don't correct people. You're technically not a nun, you're a sister, correct?
0: That's correct.
2: Yeah. So the, the, <laughs> that was my funny. Difference? Well,
0: the difference is that a, a nun is uh, belongs to a contemplative order where they pray most of the time and they stay in their convent and not they don't get out into the world and do things um they're loosening up a little bit from that now um uh, since uh, the holy father wants them to you know be, be of service because that that's what all Religious communities are about a service to God's people, right. and so they're loosening up a little bit. That doesn't mean they're not praying anymore; they do, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, speaking of, of loosening up, um, you, you really go into your your uh, background, and you talk about um, your transition when Vatican II happened. I, I'm really interested to hear your more of your perspective on that. So, you, basically. Um, if you clarify, like exactly the the transition of that, um, if you could tell the changes of, of your lifestyle, I thought that was kind of fascinating, and and how that affected you years years down the road. So, if if you could just kind of talk about Vatican II and 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 how that changed your life a little bit.
0: Well, it changed not only my life or the yeah. life of religious the religious, it changed the lives of the total um, Christian community mm-hmm. and. It, Uh, people were really shocked at some of the things but they they were all for the the good and I have to say that um, some people find change very difficult so they found change um, in the church difficult the pastors who were most successful in getting the liturgy to be the people to observe the new liturgy um, did it as teachers would, not the whole thing in one fell swoop, but take something different each Sunday. And I remember my my dad at that time was um, in his later years, and he went to a nice church in Tiburon, California. And the pastor there said, now we're just going to do one change every Sunday. And so, like in the beginning, how we first of all the mass is going to be in English, and that'll be much easier than having it in another language. So um, he, he, I know he was successful in getting the people to mass and not being afraid, and telling them they didn't have to memorize everything; they Uh had those cards to go by. So that that helped the congregations. some um i remember one lady said t- to him that um um she wanted she preferred to have the mass that Jesus in a language that Jesus spoke well Jesus didn't speak in latin so she yeah. the lady was wrong, wrong in that yeah. but she she be, she she melted down anyhow <laughs> and in our own life then in our own religious life, um, our prayers—we are made more responsible for our prayers. We d- didn't say everything in the group anymore, and that—that uh, that was a big thing because it. We went out and did more service. Mm-hmm. and that that was that changed because people were coming home at different times because they were doing different kinds of service in addition to teaching because we're basically a teaching community
1: yeah
0: and um it, it, we were we taught about Vatican two there were nice little booklets that came out explained the changes to us and um it, it, eventually people were just very happy. One of the big things with religious communities was that the um, Holy Father said that we should be um, more like our foundresses. Okay. And our foundresses didn't wear a habit. Mm-hmm. They they wore the, the clothes of the time. Mm-hmm. And like our mother general who founded the community, Mother Frances Clark, she never wore a habit, even when the, other ha- when the habit came into existence. Mm-hmm. And she, she just wore her long dresses that she never even wore a short dress. So it was, it was it, our young sisters were jumping into the contemporary clothes right away.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But we had a choice. We didn't have to um, change if we didn't want to. And that was a big thing to let everybody do what she wanted to do yeah. and you have to remember that some of our sisters were so old that they didn't they had never even in their lives worn a short skirt mm-hmm. they wore long dresses and then they wore long habits yeah. it was hard for them but i'm telling you they changed they wanted to do that people had never used Curlers before weren't such things. I mean, we had to get used to a lot of new things, and we had to be sure. But we had the people, the women of the parish, were very helpful in helping us get back to what we what we were doing before we entered up with the times. But it was a long time since we had entered, so they kept us posted on you know not extravaganza. But on ordinary uh, clothes telling us whether they were too big or too little and so we we had a lot of good help from our parishioners and the mothers
2: yeah um, so that, that that's definitely an aspect I really enjoyed about the book I mean something I, I haven't said yet is you were first and foremost um, a teacher um, coming coming out of out of the convent um you spent some time in in Southern California a year in Chicago then back to California, and then you eventually ended up at, at Mundelein. Um, and I, I enjoyed your your reflections on on wearing the habit and how you wanted to um, just just how you you, you controlled your classroom um, and you really cared about the uh, the imagery of, of people wearing a habit and and having positive reinforcement. Um, and, and I just really enjoyed that reflection. Um, also, you know, again, I'm going to give, I'm going to gift this book to so many people, but especially teachers. I, I really enjoyed that, that side um, of your perspective. Um, something I, I thought was hilarious is the amount of titles you've had over the years. You could write a book about that. And sometimes <laughs> you do list out your job titles, your description. It, 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 it's great. And, and you're obviously still, still um, doing plenty of things today. So something I, I want to hear a little more about is um, after decades in, in Southern California, you are brought to Mundelein, um here in Rogers Park. And is, is it 1961 that, that you made that transition? Oh, um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So then I kind of want to hear more about the relationship of Mundelein and, and Loyola at that time. And then also maybe some, some more memories of that 1963 team. Um, you talk a little bit about your book, and you and saw it a little bit in the Loyola Project. But yeah, to, to be present in uh, Rogers Park at that time, what what was that like?
0: Well, um, 1961, uh, I was sent in, in those days um, where you got a letter that said, you are now going to be at Mundelein College, Chicago. That was a big shock to me, because I thought to myself, what am I going to do there? I've been a principal in elementary school. I've been teaching in elementary school for 20 years. What will I do there? Well, I soon found out because I was assigned to the education department and to help prepare young women to be teachers in the uh, Chicago public and Catholic schools. Mm -hmm. And That that was lovely because I, I like to go visit them to evaluate them. I had schools in Rogers Park and also uh, on the west side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. It was it was so much fun because I missed I actually missed the elementary school children, and um, uh, one little story about them is I was the green green school was one of my uh, schools. It, it was almost a hundred percent Jewish children out on Devon Avenue, and it's not. It, Anymore, it's it's used for the facility now, but I had I went to visit student teachers in that um, third grade room um, every semester, and they were in first grade, second grade, and then third grade. In third grade, they had a new teacher, and they, she had been told that the I was going to evaluate this young woman, and so she she was lo- nervous. And the students got that nervousness from her. And she, this little boy raised his hand and he said, well, did they tell you what her name is? <laughs> and, and, and she said, oh, yeah, Sister Jean. And this little boy said, oh, you don't have to worry about her. She's our friend. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: and, and so, they, and I was their friend, having seen them six times helped me know so many of their names too right. and i'm telling you they they were all good students and not just when i got there they were they studied hard they worked hard and, and everything so that that was one of my my perks all the time going going to uh, the schools and evaluating student teachers and then with with loyola um we they had nothing to do with our student teaching But um, we had an exchange program with Loyola where um, it was so easy. All all you had to do uh, was go to your academic advisor and say, you'd like to take this uh, course at um, Mundelein and take that would go to the registrar, and it would be there. So we had young men in classes, which was very good. And it was wonderful for Loyola because we were on, Mundelein was on the term system where we had, it's like the quarter system. You have three sections. And so it was great for Loyola if somebody needed a course just before graduation because we began our third term in March. Mm-hmm. And some people may have failed a course and they'd have to repeat it so they could take it at Mundelein and and get and graduate that mm-hmm. was very helpful I and mean, we had a lot of guys who did that and i used to tease them all the time and say what's this for <laughs> <laughs> so i get an honest answer too
2: <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah so you, you do you do get into that a little bit um about the book and, and your relationships there and and, and underline in general it, it's pretty fascinating it's important to loyalist history um obviously that that building is still on campus today i it's i had tons of class in there and I really enjoyed it um so just real quick on that what what is a a great memory for you about that nineteen sixty three national championship team
0: of course i I followed the team all during the season
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then um we were really excited that they were playing the championship game. And so the brother-in-law of one of our sisters gave her a little TV, like 11 and a half inches. Hmm. And because we, we had one in the community room, but the scholastics where I lived, we had 150 young nuns living. Um, I had to study, and I, I think that some of them saw it on the TV, on the big TV, on the community room. But those who didn't were told about it. But anyhow, we watched it on this little TV, and it was delayed. So we didn't know we had won the game. Hmm. And um, no cell phones or anything like that. So um, all of a sudden, at the end of the game, and when the, the ball went into the basket and we won, it was I we heard all this noise out on Sheridan Road and the fellows from Campion. It was on the the only residence hall for guys at that time. Guys from Campion walked out, went to Coffee Hall, which was um, the only residence hall Mundelein had at that time, and walked through and got all the girls to come with them. And they went down the white line of Sheridan Road and almost walked to Evanston and kept shouting, "We won! We won! We won!" And it it was just so ex- exciting to hear that we had that we had won, and the way we won, and to know that it was. Or at that time, I don't think we r- realized how important it was mm-hmm. to be the game of change until we kept analyzing it, and then um, then we then we everybody understood the difference that we really made that George Ireland did in following no rules about how many um, men of color would be on the court at a time. He just put the the guys, he wanted to be in the first string or whatever, and then all the way through. He just chose the players. He didn't look at the color. Uh And that's what we have to do today. You know god we're all god's creatures and um we we need to do what we think is proper in mm-hmm. dealing with people
2: yeah and, no de- definitely and th- that's another thing I, I enjoyed about the book is y- you really do discuss uh your your opinion your your feelings and, and your point of view on on plenty of uh issues today and just i mean you, you talked about civil rights um back then um it, it, and I really enjoyed that from you. Um you know, what? kind of kind of on that um we posted on on Instagram um a, a message box if people wanted to ask you a question and and we'll, we'll share one with you now um that we like. So this is from actually um at Sign girl LUC Um she asked and I think I have an answer to this, but I want to hear yours what is something you wish students knew about you or what, what context do you wish students that are going through, uh, Damon, uh, what do you th- wish they knew about you before they approached you or, or saw you?
0: Well, I, I just think they, they need to know that, um, I listen to them mm-hmm. and that I'm willing to help them in whatever they need help. Yeah. And if I, I can't, if I'm not, um, Qualified to give them help, then I know where to refer them, and I I think the referral part is very important Mm -hmm. because all of us can't be good counselors. We can't. We're not trained to do that, but we have people who can do that, and I I have I have to make I have to want them to feel that not to be afraid of me, not to be Mm -hmm. too shy. And because sometimes freshmen come in and they say, "Well, I didn't come in the first week because I, 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 didn't, I didn't know what you were like, Sister Jean." <laughs> so anyhow, they talk to each other, I guess, and find out how it is.
2: Yeah, that that is exactly what I expected you to say, um, and that's that's what I tell people when they ask me about you. I'm like, "She, she's in the student center for a reason. Her door is always open." If no one's in there, I, I strongly encourage anyone to uh, approach you and, and, and talk to you more than just, hey, can I get a selfie with you? Like, you are so comfortable being vulnerable and honest with people. Um, and that's clear in the book. I mean, you recount so many relationships you've built with students over the years, and they're so detailed. And it's something I really enjoy about it. It shows how much you care about that. And then also you have the ability to say, you know how the school works. So. Um, it doesn't stop with you. You can refer some people to someone else with whatever they need. If they need anything at all, you're, you're just there to, to talk and listen. So, that, yeah. So
1: that, that's
0: I, I, what... go ahead. I was going to say that door is always open. And yes. I'm telling you it, the traffic has been very heavy lately <laughs> because they're bringing their books and saying, "Sister oh, yeah. Jean, do do you think you'll sign my book? Well, I do more than sign it. I write a note in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, that fits that fits the student. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, I say, What what is your dream, for example? And mm-hmm. then I say, Well like this morning I wrote somebody she said, Oh, I wanna be I wanna be a great musician, Sister Jean. So uh, my message to her was, um, Melanie, keep working on your music and then entertain the whole world. <laughs> I that's love that's it. what I
1: need. I and just, his- I just, I just purchased a guitar, sister. Yes. I need, I need some motivation to to get to get my uh my musical guitar workings going.
0: Oh, did you have any experience before? None. None. Well, not you, not a minute. Not not a minute. Well, you've had a lot of experience abroad now, listening to different languages. And That's true. I'm, I'm sure you've picked that up. So, I, I think I think that you'll be able to do it. Of course, practice is the most important thing. You know, it, it's not yeah. going to happen overnight. Nothing no. happens overnight, except sickness. I think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I will say this though. Uh, everywhere I've gone, you know, they all. You know, they. Where'd you go to school? I went to Loyola. Oh, you were on, You were on that Final Four team, right? With that with that nun, right? No, no, no. That's Sister Jean. <laughs> I, I, I'm always correcting people, but no matter where I'm at, that always comes up. So uh, you're you're well known around the world.
0: Well, thank thank you. That's why I told the reporter that time, and um, on the final four, she uh, they were all asking me questions, and she said, "Oh, now sister Jean, how do you feel that you're a national figure?" And I said, "Oh, pardon me, it's international." Well, yeah. It, it that spread like wildfire. I I just wanted. I had already heard from people in Germany and in France, so I figured we we're we were international. And yesterday I did a um, interview with BBC. Oh wow! So, yeah. and then then today, so this is a hot week.
1: Today is BBB. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so
2: sister, um, I, I guess we'll wrap it up. You, you just like, even than just in those last five minutes, you showed, um, you know, talking to Krut Cr- Cr- about, you know, just giving her advice. Um, you see that time and time again during the book. Again, I cannot recommend it enough. It's called Wake Me Up With Purpose, What I've Learned in My First Hundred Years. Uh, we are so lucky to have you on. We're so lucky to have you at Loyola. Um, so thank you so much and, and, and have a great day.
0: Oh, and you two, the two of you have a great day. And thank you again for asking me to do this. It's always fun talking to you. And it's, it's always so neat to be with basketball players. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. absolutely. Thank you. really appreciate it. And uh, keep keep plugging away. We know you will. We know your door is always open. And uh, it was great to see you again. I haven't seen you in a while.
0: That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. well, we'll see each other again. Don't hesitate. Yes,
1: we will. Yeah.
0: All right. God Thanks. bless both of you.
1: That blurs segment was brought to you by Ticket eStore. If you're looking for a trusted, family-owned source for tickets, visit my friends at Ticket eStore.com. Ticket e-Store.com is alumni-owned and a proud official ticketing partner of Loyal Athletics. They are your best source for all Chicagoland sports, concerts, and theater tickets. They've been in the business for 17 years and offer a money-back guarantee with no huge fees. Whenever I'm looking to get into the game, I check out TicketEastore.com.
2: This show is also presented by BetOnline. All right, again, thank you so much um, to Sister Jean for coming on. Uh, I also got to thank Dan Wallace, uh, Loyola's new SID. I guess, you know, last time we did this, it was just, (laughs) hey, Bill, Bill (laughs) Behrens. can we talk to sister Jean? and he handled yeah. everything um and and dan dan was the same way it was, it was nice to meet him um and, and they're they're in good hands there but uh yeah it's from bbc to, to bbb yeah. um she, I, told, she's I
1: told her before the interview this is going to be the most important interview you do all week yeah, yeah. yeah with us too <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah no she i mean you can tell like the amount of detail she has like she and like she was in like interview mode there, and then you said something, and she was like, "She's ready to talk, man. It's it's great. It's fun." Yeah,
1: I mean, let's not forget that that woman is 103 years okay. old.
2: I okay. yeah, I, let's not forget that. I wanted to have the lot like in reading this book, I I almost said to her like, people forget like she's really old.
1: Like, um, she, she said something in that interview. It was like, it was 1961 and I had been teaching for 20 years. Yeah, no. And then they told me to go to Mundelein. And I was sitting there in my head doing the math and I was like, yeah. oh, holy shit.
2: So she, so in the book, she talks about some tragedies um, and like where she was when that happened. So like Pearl Harbor, um, JFK's assassination in 9-11. So she's in her twenties when Pearl Harbor happens. Uh, what is it? Forties when JFK was assassinated the same year. Loyola won the championship, and then what? She's in her eighties. Eighties yeah. when nine eleven happened. So today, like it's like wow. Um, and a- aside from that, I mean, obviously the Golden Gate Bridge thing. I also, I've also told a couple people this. It's like her, this book is like the closest thing to like a real life story, like Forrest Gump of just history, <laughs> like witnessing history. I mean, the yeah, century, yeah. um, it, it it's fascinating, a great kind of time capsule of, again, she talks in length about her childhood and early years in teaching. I, I really enjoyed that. So I cannot recommend it enough. Wake me up with purpose. I, I've seen some stats about New York Times bestselling and, and crushing on Amazon. So um i'm I'm so ecstatic for her and uh can I recommend it re- recommend it enough let us know your thoughts on the book and and, and we'd love to talk about it some more uh in future episodes so again th- thanks for listening crut um we'll we'll talk soon okay
1: yeah still working on getting a a, a guest another guest but the time zones in this world sometimes they don't match up yeah.
2: well we've been locked in on on milton. Um, and he's just, you know, he's in, he's Kirk, in Turkey,
1: now. I'm in Japan, Snowman. Will is in wherever in Indiana. In the in the in
2: so yeah, it's, it's fun. Um, so we are we work on some more guests and, and eventually we'll, we'll lock down Milton. So, um, everyone, thanks for listening and, uh, see you later. Bye. Go Blurs. Go Blurs.